I'm Rebecca Rothstein, and along with my co-host, Leanne Daly, we'd like to welcome you to Say It Forward. Each week, we'll be doing one of my favorite things to do, and that's interviewing interesting people with out-of-the-ordinary life stories. They're all people who took a different path in life. Some never imagined the heights they would achieve, and others, well, they turned their childhood dreams into reality. So let's begin. Today, we welcome Laura Wilson, owner of Natural Pilates. Laura grew up in Romania, where she was an athlete, a gymnast, and a member of the national archery team, where she earned two national titles. While in college, she received a student work and travel program for the U.S. and arrived in America in 2002 with $100 in her pocket. Loving the lifestyle, she moved to Los Angeles to attend college. Laura started in massage therapy and went on to get certified in various other modalities, including Pilates, and opened her first studio in 2005. Fourteen years later, Laura's original studio, still in Beverly Hills, is five times its original size. And now she owns four other studios and employs more than 30 people. So let's rewind to the beginning to discover a true American dream success story as we say it forward with Laura Wilson. You have such an interesting story. If you don't mind, we'd like to start at the beginning and tell us where you're from and, you know, your sort of winding path to get to where you are today. So I grew up in Romania. I moved in the States only when I was 21. I was born under a communist society in uh, 81. So what was that like? I mean, like, what's the picture of you at, let's say, eight years old? Did you have it live in a city or, or in a more rural area? Did you have sisters and brothers? To, who did you play with? Like, what was it like? My mom and my dad already divorced, so we moved in to live with my grandma. Everything is done within the family. So we were living with my grandma in like a little house, a one-bedroom. We are. I'm from a small city, like 40,000 people. So it's it's a decent size. Mostly when you're little, that's a big city. Right. You know? So you lived with your mom and your grandmother. Yes. Siblings? I have a brother that is a little bit older. Mm-hmm. I remember that my mom and my grandma both used to go to work. So my mom uh, used to go to work and she finished high school later because my mom is really young. She's 57. So she had kids at 17 and 19. Wow. So she didn't end up finishing school. So my grandma used to be a a janitor in like an office building. So my grandma used to go to work. My mom used to go to work. And then she used to go to school after that. Were you competitive with your brother? Because competition is a a sort of a a thread throughout your story. When did you first realize you were a competitor? I didn't really realize that till actually I, I started archery, which was a little bit later when I was in probably fifth or sixth grade. The only thing we shared were friends, but mm-hmm. even that he had his friends and I had my own friends. Mm-hmm. So I don't think I was competitive with him as much as I was always competitive to myself. I was really lucky to have archery in my town. So then I started doing archery when I was like 10, 11. It's a hard sport, but it's very mental. It's very focused more than anything else. Archery is all about doing the same movement over and over and over again and to be the same every single time. And this precision is very much a part of Pilates also. Exactly. So many times I say, if I knew then what I know now, probably I would have done even better than what I did because we didn't really learn mechanics. I find very common on, even in fitness today, that people are taught to move but they're not taught anything 
underneath that. And some people are not interested, which is totally fine. But a lot of people, if you show them, for example, a picture of a muscle, they have it visual in their mind and they have an easier time of connecting with that. You I, know, I would think that people who tend to be more mental and less physical need that more in a way to connect with their body. I know my yeah. for myself, I'm not particularly well connected to my body. I've never been. I've always been more of a mental person. Yes. And when I have studied, and I have studied Pilates, the work that done Pilates, I do mostly weightlifting now, but it was very, I, I actually would say at the beginning, I'm the least physically intuitive person you've ever met. <laughs> Please tell me exactly precisely what you want me to do and what I'm supposed to be feeling. Do you notice with clients sometimes that that's the case of people who tend to be less connected? Definitely. So there's people that just do it to do it. And there's people that do it because they want to They're really passionate about understanding and feeling it more. And I love to work with people that want to deepen their connection because Mm -hmm. for me, otherwise it's not boring, but it's, I feel like it's a waste of my time. It's being aware of every step of the way versus just get up and do it. So now you're in high school, you're traveling, you're now you're getting worldly. What happens from that? When I was in high school, I did other stuff to supply my financial statement, not just the money I got from archery, but I also used to sell cosmetic products. So I used to do that in high school. So I was the main supplier. Yeah, in Romania. I was the main supplier in my high school. And there was something in you that knew that you're going to ascend to a different level and you were finding ways to make that happen. Yeah. I mean, I remember times in my past where I was like, is this ever going to get any better? (laughs) You know, right. You never know where you're going. You just have to go and take the opportunities. And it's so what it's what I did. Mm-hmm. Because of archery, we traveled a lot. So when we were traveling, I met people. So I met this one guy on a train and he's like, well, I live in Cluj, which is a city in Transylvania. And we became friends over the letters. In a later time, he said to me, well, I'm in college. I'm going to America with this inter-exchange student program. So that kind of stuck to me. I'm like, yeah, that sounds interesting. <laughs> And this opportunity came along on applying for inter-exchange student program. So it's what I did. So you were about, what, 18 or 19? No, at that point, I was 21. So I started school really late. I started school at seven and a half. So you left your mom, your brother, your grandmother, and they saw you and you left without them. To backtrack a little bit, when I was 17, my mom had to go to Italy. It was very common for all, a lot of Romanians to go to Europe and work. My mom didn't have enough money to send us to college. So she went in this trip and she stayed in a church in Italy. That was the church that kept all the immigrants that was, were coming in. From there, she was placed to work and take care of older people in Italy. When I got the student visa to come to America, I said, I have to go see my mom before I go to America because at that point I haven't seen her for like four years. So me and my friend took a trip to Italy and uh, visited my mom. And after that, I returned and I... Here I am flying to America. (laughs) (laughs) You said, I'm not staying here. The program cost $1,500, which I borrowed from my mom's ex-husband. He actually went, it's like a funny story. He actually went to Israel to work, taking care of elderly people. So my mom was in Italy, he was in in Israel. (laughs) He had a little bit of saved money. I was adjusting his money, taking care of his money, then 
my mom was sending me money. So I was like, you know, I, I knew what do to what do. what I do. Banker. <laughs> <laughs> Basically, I was yeah. the banker of the family. The good part is that when I came to America, I had a job because otherwise it would have been really difficult. Did you get the job before you came here? Yes. So that's uh, the whole program is for uh, students to come to America, work for three months, travel a month and then go back. Mm-hmm. When we arrived, we arrived to New York. We stayed in maybe Crown Plaza Hotel. They placed us there. So they we meet with all the people from the all the camps so they can give us directions how to get to our jobs. And you didn't speak English. I barely spoke English. I learned English in school, but not to the point where I can have like a full fluid conversation. Right. And I mean, a lot of the words I did not know. So, but the first thing I did, I got to the hotel. I left my bag in a room. We were sharing the room with other people in a program. And I went exploring. I want to know where I am. And I just walked through Central Park and I just explored. <laughs> and two days later, we, um, uh, I got on a train. I went to New Jersey at my first job. Where? So the, the job in New Jersey was in Long Beach Island, was a motel called Seahorse Motel. Our job was to clean all the rooms. So they gave us like a small room in the back, which was great. It's near where I grew up. Oh, really? Yeah, I grew oh, up in Asbury Park. near. I mean, yeah. it's just right across the street from the beach. And I spent many nights sleeping on the bench on the beach. I mean, that's a little dangerous. But for me, that was really exciting. <laughs> and it was nice. Oh, so it's nice like, just yeah. to sleep with like the sound of the waves and stuff. Oh. It's just amazing. So I found this house that hired inter-exchange students program like me. The owner of that house really had a huge impact on what I did next. I always go by the principle, if an opportunity comes to you, if it feels right in your gut, take it. Going to the neighbors next door, I met this guy and he says, so what, what else do you know how, what to do? And I said, I don't know. I did facials in Romania. In college, I used to support myself through do facials and waxing. Everybody in the neighborhood knew me because all my posts were out everywhere. And the crazy part was that he, there were six bunk beds, basically, except mine, where I put a sheet, sheets from the bed. Mm-hmm. So nobody can see. And they were having parties in a room and I was waxing. And they were like having, <laughs> they're like, come hilarious. on, come on, stop working. I mean, like, can, you can imagine somebody's half naked on the bed <laughs> and they're having parties and drinking in the room. And you're waxing them <laughs> behind the curtain. <laughs> Basically. That's so crazy. You can't make this up. That's so funny. So at that point, when this guy asked me, so what else do you know how to do? And I'm like, well, I know how to do facials. I could probably do massage. And he's like, give me a massage. And I'm like, oh my God, I never did a massage in my life, you know? (laughs) And I'm like, okay, fine, I'll try, you know? And I remember one of my roommates went to massage school and she was just showing me some strokes back in college. And I was like, okay, I'll just do that. And you were strong because you were an archer. Yes. So you had strong arms. I gave him 30 minutes massage and I'm just very intuitive. You know, I believe that it's important to go to school, but if you don't have the touch and the feel, you can go to school all day long. You're never going to be good. And for me, it felt really natural. And the guy was like, oh my God, this was the best massage I ever had. Wow. And he's like, buy a cell phone, buy a massage table, and I'll get you clients. So after you've done work, I'll get you clients and you could do massages. I'm like, fine, I'm in. Two months into the job, I met a lot of people doing massages. Some, I met several guys that used to live in Philadelphia and they had a huge apartment on 
Main Street, which is like the place to be, the place to live in Philadelphia. It's like eight blocks from the Liberty Bell. So they said, I'll give you a deal. If you want to move to Philadelphia till you find your own apartment, you can stay in a living room. I have a mattress and we can trade. You give us massages instead of paying rent. Hmm. And I'm like, first thing I heard, I'm like, um, I don't know. I'll think about it. Next day I call, is this still available? And they were not expecting that so quick. You went in to live with a bunch of guys, giving them massages, not sexual massages, real massages. Yeah, no happy And you weren't afraid of being in this apartment with this bunch of guys by yourself? Well, I already knew them from the summer and it didn't feel, of course, it's always, it can be unsafe. When I got there, I measured all the escape areas, (laughs) the window, the door, (laughs) where I can run, where I can put my mattress to be safe. You know what I mean? Right. But I didn't feel unsafe with them. They were so nice. And actually many years later, after I got married, I took my husband back and we took them out for dinner. And uh, I mean, I was really lucky, really, really really lucky. So I was leaving in Main Street. There's this restaurant called Spasso in Main Street, like Literally like one door down. Mm-hmm. The owner there is Romanian. Oh my god. So gosh. I got hired. I was doing I was a hostess there. And then I used to go out with, you know, having a great life with these guys. They used to like have a lot of parties at their place. Like this place used to be huge, like two thousand square feet living room. So you got to speak Romanian to the Romanian guy who owned the restaurant. Yeah. And he had he gave you a job and then you were giving massages to these. You were really very yes. entrepreneurial. Yeah. And then I I found another job as a hostess in another restaurant. And then like uh, within a month, the guy said, okay, you have a job. If you want to find an apartment, I can help you co-sign. Who does that? <laughs> right. Today, nobody. That's I mean, incredible. Nobody, nobody. So like somebody was watching over me because yeah. that's like For almost sure. close to impossible, right? So I got an apartment in 8th and Walnut, which is eight blocks away from Front Street, <laughs> which is like amazing, the, you know, the, the best right. area to be in. So I moved there and I had my friend, my best friend from California flying there and she moved in with me. So we were both leaving. She came so in. So now you had for the first too. time in all of this time, your own apartment. And a cell phone. Not living with a bunch of guys anymore. Sloppy no. guys that leave their socks everywhere. You yeah. and a girl who's much neater and cleaner for yeah. sure. And you had your own bedroom. <laughs> Yes. Meantime, my friends from New Jersey moved to California because we all applied for a a computer college here so we can go to school so we can stay in America legally. So they came and then I was still in Philadelphia. I paid them a visit somewhere around there. They couldn't believe it when they saw me, how much gain I, I, how much weight I, I, I put on me in only like two, three months since I haven't seen them. So... I came back to Philadelphia. My friend actually stayed in Philadelphia and she met somebody and she actually got married. Yeah, I just moved to California. And I remember at that point I had $3,000 saved up. And um, and you had friends here. So yes, now I had you friends. Had, so now you moved in, you moved to California. So what was the impetus that moved you to California? Well, the school. I moved in with my two friends in a studio. We were three girls staying in a studio. So then after a couple of weeks, it got a little bit busy yeah. <laughs> in there. <laughs> And then I got here. Of course, I start walking the streets to go look for a job. I still remember when I go to Santa Monica, sometimes I still have a, you know, sometimes when you go in a place that you haven't been, you have a feeling 
of the same feelings that you had before, you know? So basically every time I go to Santa Monica, I feel those feelings, like just mm-hmm. walking the streets with the resume, like, and it's like not such a good feeling when you go and apply for different jobs and you don't know how to express yourself, you know? So I found a job working on a promenade as a hostess. Three weeks into moving to California, I was like, I need to find an apartment to move by myself. So I found this three bedroom apartment. I'm like a risk taker. Like I always kind of went for what was in front of me. Three bedroom apartment, $1,500 rent with, you know, I don't even remember if at that point I had the job. I met with the landlord and I said to her, I said, look, I don't have credit because I just moved in America three months ago. I don't really have a job yet, you know, but I have this much money and I'm looking for a job and I'll pay for rent. And she gave me the apartment. Wow. I mean, that's pretty lucky. Mm -hmm. Unbelievable. Mm -hmm. You know, she believed you. Yeah. So while you were studying at the computer college, you also went back and studied massage for real. Is that correct? Yes. So when I was on a promenade working in a restaurant as a hostess, you know, I always think, what can I do more? What can I do more? So the massage school was right on a promenade. So I was like, I need to think about my future and my career investing in myself. So I went on a promenade and I applied for the massage school. That was like three to four months long, just for the basic. And then I took different workshops over the course of time. Then once I started doing, I got a job in a physical therapy office on 26th and San Vicente. Used to be called Rapid Rehab. You got a job there as a professional massage Massage, therapist. Massage therapist, yes. I got into the massage therapy. I started building my clientele. I got a space, a room, that I rented in this place called Oasis Healing Center on Venice and Grandview is actually still there and was a place where they, there are a lot of acupuncturists and chiropractors and massage therapists. So I got a room there and I start market my my services so I can get clients. Now you're actually making better money. Yeah, at that point. So there you are out there hustling up, making a living, living in a place, people are visiting you, you're settled. You like California, you're happy. Yes. and But still, you have this giant entrepreneurial thing. So take us from the massage to opening your first studio, how that happened. So that's a big change. I yeah. mean, that's a big leap. Did you yeah. see Pilates in the chiropractic office? Or how no, so in the happen? physical therapy office okay. where I used to work, they used to do Pilates. And at this point, I was three years doing massages and um, I got re-rendered. And my neck was killing me. And I'm small, but I'm really strong. And I always wanted to give my best. It didn't matter what I was doing. Cleaning toilets, whatever. I always did it to the best I could. So for massages, I always wanted to be the stronger and to be do the best job. But I was giving out too much. And I, my body was in too much pain. So at that point, I'm like, I need to think of something else that I could do. So then I was like, oh, they're doing Pilates here. Maybe I could get Pilates certified because that's just, it's what I love the most, moving, exercise. So I said, I'm just going to start doing the reformer certification so I can teach and make money. Because at that point, it was really about leaving. It was also less hard on your body. Yeah, less hard on my body. It's what I did. I went to Pilates school. Did you know anything about Pilates before that? I never done Pilates before. I just went straight to school. Yeah. (laughs) It's how I do sometimes. I just go right into it. I'm a masseuse now. I don't really think about how I'm going to do it. I sign up and then you have to do it. You're still single. You hadn't fallen in love with your husband yet. You're out there by yourself. Yes. 
You decide to take Pilates classes. So now you're going to school while doing massages in a therapy's office. Yes. And you had a rear end accident and your body was in pain. Yeah. So that's a lot to bear. That's a yes, lot. Yes. I found this great program that was referred to me by one of the main instructors, the top instructors at the physical therapy office. With my savings, I paid for it. And, you know, I mean, my first experience was like, okay, so breathe, learn the breathing, right? Just verbalizing a new job, verbalizing like, inhale, feel the ribs expanding, exhale, squeeze the ribs, squeeze the abdominals. And I'm like, I'm never going to be able to do this in my mind. I'm like, I'm never going to be able to do this. And all the cueings that you learn in the, because Pilates, it's all about detail. It's all about how can you say one thing in multiple ways so people can get it? Because not everybody's going to get it with one cue. For one thing, you might need to have 10 different cues. And I'm like, I don't even speak English really well. I don't think I'm ever going to be able to do this. Well, I was able to do it and I did it. The good part about not speaking English fluently was the fact that I took the cues the way they were. So I kind of learned the cues based on what my teacher was saying. So my teacher was John Gary, which is one of the leaders in Pilates and uh, so John, John Gary Pilates. They have a studio in Long Beach and uh, now he does all kinds of online workouts. So for me, he was my idol. So I learned everything he was saying, I was saying. So that kind of helped me a lot because it didn't give me a lot of room to think of other stuff. So finally, I was able to complete that. How old are you now? I was 20, still 23. 20, no, maybe I was 24. Mm -hmm. But I was right, at this point, I already started dating my husband. What did he do? He did online marketing. Mm -hmm. He was trying, he was building his business at that point. So he was really focused on working and not so much going out. Before that, he was a little bit of party boy. Mm -hmm. He loved to go out. He party, he did all that. So I met him in the right time in his life. Mm -hmm. And it sounds like professionally, you're both kind of at the same point yes. when you started. You were both ambitious and you were on the, at the very front end of the process of creating. Yes, I think that was career. the main thing that really attracted me to him. His optimism and his passion of talking business and just his willingness to improve himself as a person. So that was something new for me. I never heard anybody before saying, oh, I'm trying to improve myself every day from all levels, personal to business. Where's he and from? He's from New Jersey, actually. Oh, yeah. <laughs> so now you're in 2004-ish. Yes. And you studied Pilates and you're, are you working as an instructor at some place? Yes. So I was working at Rapid Rehab where I used to do massages. I used mm -hmm. to do both. Mm -hmm. I used to do massage therapy and Pilates. Mm -hmm. Did they have reformers there? Or they, they have reformers and they had a physical therapy room. Not a big space, but big enough. Uh -huh. Then was time for me to think about what's the next step. So I thought about I'm doing massages there. I wish I could find a spot where I could do massages and put my a reformer in so I could start doing that. So my husband, which was my boyfriend at the times, mother-in-law, she's a real estate agent for a commercial. So she found the group room too, where we're doing Pilates today. She found one room in the building across the Peninsula Hotel that is like about 700 square feet. And at that point, the rent was $1,300 for that room. And my rent at home was 500. And my rent at the studio where I used to rent was 250. So it was thirteen hundred dollars. Thirteen hundred dollars for one room. One room, seven hundred square feet, which is enough for 
That's a good like, size for a reformer and a massage table. Yeah, more than one reformer probably, probably right? Yes, yeah, so I had two reformers right. and the catalog. And they're expensive. Two chairs. So you yes. had to buy those things. Yes, I got them on a loan on a credit card, mm-hmm. which was fine. But then I had the expense for the rent. Right. The good part is that one of the most amazing hairdressers was downstairs below me, Carrie White. And in a moment I moved in, she brought all her clients upstairs. Wow. <laughs> and she's like, awesome. we have Pilates upstairs. Wow. So from the first day I opened, I had like three people buying packages. That's amazing. Is this where you are now? Yes. So that was the group room two, the last door. Mm-hmm. That was my first, first room. Wow. In the building. So the first day... What a giant step to take on that much debt, right? Jeez. My husband was very encouraging. So he said, he was my boyfriend at the time, if you're not going to be okay, I will back you out. Wow. He never had to back me out. But just the fact that he said that, it really gave me a lot of... Encouragement because I didn't really, it didn't, I didn't really have any family. So when you buy yourself somewhere, you can't call your mom, mom, send me money. I don't have money Mm -hmm. to pay my Pilates rent. You know, I mean, it didn't, it didn't really happen like that. So it really gave me a lot of confidence. But again, thank God they didn't really need anything. Right. So, and I was okay by myself. That's amazing. So now you open up your doors, you've got two reformers, you have a Cadillac, and you got a woman downstairs who's sending you customers. Basically, yeah. Were you, and were you running the place and the teacher, the only teacher? Yes, yeah, so I had a desk in there. So I was doing everything from answering the phone to teaching to doing massages there. So that's why the name of the business is really Natural Pilates and Body Works. Mm-hmm. From Pilates and Body Works, which would be massage. Uh-huh then kind of became natural Pilates because I stopped doing massage because it was time. That was the reason for which I got into Pilates. When I got busy enough with Pilates, I would quit massage. So the the growing of the business from that, from two rooms and, and uh, our two reformers and a Cadillac to what you have today has taken how long? Okay, so from 2005. you have upstairs and downstairs. Yeah, so I opened that in 2005. By the time the whole Beverly Hills studio was complete, It's like three years ago. So I finished my whole certification. Then I did yoga certification with Megan Kennedy at Up Dog in West Hollywood. Then I did my gyrotonic certification with Lisa Marie at Inspiring and Brentwood on Olympic. I wanted, I was interested to learn about all, it's not just about Pilates, but about fitness in general, because Pilates is just a tool. Personal training is just a tool. Uh, gyrotonic is a tool. Yoga is a tool. It's all movements. But the main thing we need to understand is the body because we apply all these tools to the body. So if you don't understand all this, it's a little bit hard to apply it. So a lot of people say, oh, I like personal training because of that. I like yoga because of that. It's true. Every single discipline has its own feeling. Pilates has its own feeling. Personal training has its own feeling. Gyro has its own feeling. The most important thing is having all these tools, you can give the client whatever they need. So sometimes I have a client, they just want to have the feeling of building strength, but staying long and lean. Then we would do Pilates because Pilates doesn't use so much resistance. So you're not going to overbuild muscle, but it definitely teaches you connection in and within the body. If somebody wants to build strength and to bulk up a little bit more, I would say it's time for you to integrate some personal training. So I have in a Beverly Hills studio, some fitness machines that I use, 
But, you know, I would sometimes like to recommend them out to people that just focus on building. Mm -hmm. Then if I have clients that feel achy one day, I incorporate gyrotonic within my Pilates uh, session. Mm -hmm. So you just keep learning and learning and learning and learning and learning. Yes. Keep learning. And, you know, seven years into my practice, I got to a point where I was like, you know what? I feel like I don't really know anything. (laughs) So I went to the convention. I used to go to all kinds of conventions, idea fitness conventions, where you see all kinds of workshops and you take all kinds of workshops and you hear different people talking. And at that point, you need to narrow down on what are you doing? What's your goal? You know, and I found this workshop called MAT which is called muscle activation techniques. It's a kind of like a manual therapy. And I'm like, I can't go back into massage. But what it really kept my eye is you learn muscle function. So I'm like, okay, I want to learn muscle function. I don't necessarily need to to do it physically myself, but I need to learn it. So that kind of shifted my whole thought process on, you know, dissecting the whole body and learning every single muscle muscle in the body and its function and learning muscle testing and learning how to assess people properly because we're very objective in fitness. Like you say, okay, I'm looking at you and I think you have tight hip flexors and I think you tight have a tight lower back, maybe tight hamstrings and people believe you because you're the professional. The truth of the matter is unless you have a tool where you can actually prove that there is limitation then you can't really say that because it's inaccurate. So I'm really about what's accurate and what's real versus what we can see objectively. It's really interesting because it's like you want to have as many tools as possible now to diagnose what the right course of action is based on the state of the body and and, and the objective of the individual, which is a layer that is frequently missing. People will just walk in and say, I want to do stretch lab or I want to do gyrotonics or I want to do Pilates when in fact their objectives and the state of their body may dictate that something else would be better at least to begin with. Yeah. So, I mean, ideally, if a client has patience, majority of clients come in, they just want to feel the burn. So it's a little bit hard. You have to educate your client and what you're going to do first. Ideally, when you get a new client, for me, it's like you have a whole questionnaire about learn about who they are, how much they exercise, what's their threshold, how is their job, how they sit at work, how they sleep, what kind of medications they Mm -hmm. take. I want to know how tired they are. They have their little kids, where they carry the kids. And then really have like a proper assessment on checking range of motion throughout the body in every single joint to really figure out what's the limitation within the body. Based on that, you're going to create a program that will match that. Mm -hmm. Because we always say we create a specialized program for everyone's needs. You know, there can be many of the situations for many people on why one leg is tighter than the Mm -hmm. other or, you know, but that's kind of like the thought process of trial and error. You never know. I agree with you completely. And as a customer of yours for as many, I, I literally go there three times a week. I have found in my personal body, because I'm 64 years old, I'm super flexible way more than I was before I started to come there. But the high, the nicest thing about your studios, in my opinion, is the quality of the teachers. You yes. have taught these girls. They're all girls. I don't think you have one Chris, girl who yeah. I like a lot. He's great. <laughs> but you have taught these girls to go around and they correct you. 
in a very nice way when you're doing something wrong. You know, like when you're on your side and you can't like drop your button, you know, Camilla always says, where's the house for the mouse, you know? Yes, yes. And, um, <laughs> you know, it's to keep yourself in, in the right position. So all of your instructors, which to me, this is the highest compliment I can give anybody. You run that business so well. Thank you. And every reformer is immaculately clean. Every one of your teachers is helpful. The classes start and end on time, which I'm over the moon about that. I really am. I mean, I go to Soul Cycle two days a week, and almost without exception, the classes start late. It drives me crazy. It really does. I mean, I have a schedule. Schedule, yeah. If I'm on time, why aren't you on time? But you don't do that. Your business starts and ends on time, and your instructors are so helpful when you're doing something and you're not doing it the way that it should be. And that speaks to the way that you've trained them. Yeah. And that gets back to who you are as a person. Yeah. So basically, I can't no, I really know. take 100% credit for it because I learned some of the things from my teachers. Mm-hmm. However, I got to a point, my husband, which was my boyfriend at the time, he used to say, you need to create your own program. At that point, I wasn't ready. You know, I'm like... I don't really know what I am and how to identify myself. Once I went to MAT, I kind of knew how I want to present my certification program. So I started working on creating my own program. The way I train people is the way I like to train myself. The way I massage people is the way I like people to massage me. So the way I will treat you on a daily basis is the way I want it to be treated. Many times when I hire people, they give me a routine and I say, how do you train yourself? Like this? And they're like, no. And I'm like, so why do you teach me like that? Why don't you, why you give me something that you don't believe in? Mm -hmm. Because if you don't train yourself like that, why are you training me like this? Right. Good point. Then I got to the point where I'm not a dancer. I did folk dance in Romania. I was part of the uh, folk dance team when I was in high school. (laughs) So, but I wasn't really gracious. I wasn't into the choreography so much, but I was into understanding the joint motions in the body. Like when I lift my hand up, what motion is that? What muscles are involved in that motion? That was what I was interested in more than learning an exercise that will cue something like reach your hands to the sky. For me, a more specific cue would be lift your hands up towards the ears like more anatomical landmarks. Mm -hmm. So when I start dissecting those exercises, I did it based on the joint motion. And I cut down the choreography a little bit so it'd be a little bit more simplistic so people don't get over frustrated and really get to that feeling of the body. Mm -hmm. Being aware or where you're feeling, where are you pulling. For example, when you do an exercise from the starting point to the end point, you will have a different muscular participation. What does that mean? When you start an exercise, you might have your quads engaged. When you finish it, you might have your glutes engaged. So you know how you, when you do an exercise, people say, what, where should I feel this? Right? So I tell them where they should feel it. However, throughout the range of motion, the they're going to engage different muscles. Mm-hmm. So I feel like part of the cueing and helping people understand their bodies and their bringing body awareness is really understanding the sequences of the contractions. And so you teach example, that to your, your girls? Yes. So that's what we go through in detail, every exercise. Mm-hmm. That's one of the, the things. So for example, 
I want you to start by squeezing your quads. So many people don't know where the, the quads are. So I touch the thigh. Your quads are here. Squeeze there. Then when you move through the range, I want you to pick up on squeezing your abs. So they feel, they think about where they need to squeeze mm-hmm. versus just do it. Mm-hmm. It's not about only doing it. It's about how you do it. So many times I say, if I ask you, please go close the door. You can just go and slam the door right? Mm. But if I say, could you please walk slowly to the door and close the door softly with control? So it's similar thing when you exercise, you know, we are a, a rushed society. We rush through everything we do. I rush all the time. That's my main goal of slowing down. When we exercise, it's almost like incorporating breathing with the exercise. It's like meditation. I want people to slow down and focus on their body where they feel it, integrate the breath, connection, stability in the core, with where they should feel it. So Pilates encourages a lot of the core connection while you work out your arms, core connection while you work out your legs, which is appropriate because you don't have the stability. So it's an integrated exercise. For example, if you do personal training, you get into the uh, leg, uh, knee extension machine. Do you know which mm-hmm. one I'm talking about? Yeah. Knee extension machine, you're like stabilized everywhere. Your back is against the pad. Your your legs are down. You're holding on the, the sides of the machine with your hands. Mm-hmm. All you need to worry about is extending those knees to straight leg and bend them back down. Right. So that's one thing. So your whole body is restrained. It's now moving, is restrained by the machine, which gives you the ability of the muscles to contract more. In Pilates, we have to stabilize the body in the position in order to move a leg. So then we have the stability of the torso while actively moving the leg. So you don't just bring awareness to the leg, that it, to the action, which is the leg moving, but also on the part that is stabilizing. So it's a lot of details. So interesting. Yeah. Yeah. And when you train the people who work in your studio, in a way, it's a, a carryover from when you learned Pilates in the first place, which is, it's very specific. It's like, if you're doing a series of exercises, the cues are going to be extremely specific and consistent, right? Yes, but also cues can change based on the goal. Mm -hmm. So for example, if I want somebody to focus more on a lengthening, I'll cue them different. If I want them to focus on a burn, I will cue them different. Mm -hmm. Mm -hmm. Where it came really intense and new in the Pilates world, which a lot of people were still were still exploring, and this is the missing link in Pilates, is when I was in MAT, I was directed to another workshop called RTS, called Resistance Training Specialist. That, for the first time, brought me back to physics, which I hated physics in school. <laughs> and I was sorry now because exercise is physics. So we learned that the line of resistance, which is the a tube line of resistance. Where's the resistance coming from? It's coming from up. It's coming from middle. It's coming from low. Will change the exercise. So just because you're doing a motion that looks like a push-up, it doesn't necessarily mean it's a push-up. So that's why motion doesn't always define where the what muscles are working. So that's kind of what I'm trying to have everybody understand in every exercise, that the little bit of shift in changing the resistance can change the whole experience of the exercise. The other thing I like a lot about your program, every class is different. I used to go, when I lived in the Valley, I went to a Pilates studio and every class was the same, exactly the same. 
There was no change in the routine. There's never two classes the same. And I will explain why. So when Joseph Pilates created Pilates, they created a routine that they followed every single time. We live a hundred years later now. And I think that I'm not going to take the routine and put it in everybody's body. I'm going to take everybody's body and design a routine for them. You need to understand every single person individually and apply the tools of Pilates, Jaratonic, whatever you're doing to that person. What you described reminds me, I studied a Yengar yoga in New York, um, partially to get pregnant. I needed to do a lot of inversions to put a uterine factor yes. fertility. And the language is so specific around, like you were talking about, lift the arm to the ear. Or in a Yangar, one of the directions is point your belly button to your chin. You know, things that are extremely immediately understandable yeah. to a human operating a body. All my instructors need to understand science. When I talk to them, I'm going to talk to them science, but I want them to deliver client. I want them to deliver things that everyone can understand. And I have a protocol to it. You say it, you show it, you touch the person. So for example, I say, have the mouse hole, right? Which means lift the rib up. Right. I don't say (laughs) lift the mouse hole up anymore because I like to use anatomical terms that people understand Mm -hmm. because many times people be like, what mouse hole? So you say... (laughs) Lift the bottom rib up. My hand is right there. And Mm -hmm. then if I do an exercise, I show it. And then I go, I say it, I touch it. Mm -hmm. Because people don't, some people are visual learners. Some people are tactile learners. And some people are um, vocal learners. So we need to always do all three of them in order for somebody to build awareness and to get the result you want. Then once you got that, it's really about Having them breathe and with the breath, incorporate everything into feeling it a little bit more. Mm -hmm. Mm -hmm. I felt the need of creating a program that every exercise has beginner, intermediate and advanced version. So it doesn't matter. There is maybe a couple of exercises that are advanced that we wouldn't do it in a beginner. However, we have modifications for beginners. So I like in every class, I do it, give always modifications because even if the class is intermediate advanced, let's say, not everybody's going to be intermediate advanced. And maybe even if somebody's intermediate advanced, maybe they have a bad day and they their back is sore. They don't feel like taking that ultimate challenge. They want to take it down a little bit. So that's why I like to say for beginners, do this. For intermediate advanced, do this. For somebody in the middle that this is too easy, this is too hard, do this. So people have different choices. It's Yeah, it's absolutely true. I mean, I, I had shoulder surgery, so I never want to do planks. So they modified it for me. So I do my planks on my knees and then I'm not putting strain so on my pressure. shoulder. So much pressure. It's fantastic. Yeah. I, I love But I don't want to let you leave without finishing the entrepreneurial story because your product that you deliver is sensational. And I'm also convinced, and I say this to just all of us women, mm-hmm. My father is an orthopedic surgeon, oh, and I my father that. told me a long, long time ago that when women move towards losing their periods, they start to lose bone density, and which is one of the things that happens to women, you know, and they try to take calcium and, oh, I'm going to take calcium, it's going to make it better. You can't get calcium from a pill. You can really only get, according to my dad, who's a genius on nutrition, you get your calcium from leafy green vegetables, Yes, but you also get it 
from Pilates because you have weight-resistant exercise and the weight resistance builds the strength of your bones, keeps the bones strong. Yes, and I'd so like to know, is that a true statement? That's definitely a tr- true statement. So think of babies, right? The baby's bones are really soft yeah, because like, they don't walk. The normal evolution of a baby from crawling to slowly standing up, that's why they don't want you to hold a baby, have the baby stand before it's time for them to stand because their bones are soft and you don't want to put any forces through their bone. They're not supposed to be there. So when somebody starts walking because of the force of the gravity, the gravitational force and the reaction force from the ground, that's affecting the body. That kind of forms the bone. That forms the bone cells. So you can see if you cut the bone in half, you can see the lines of stress within the bone. One, it's important to exercise, to do Pilates and to do personal training and to do functional training. Very important is walking on the hard surface for building the bone Mm -hmm. because that's how we were brought up. Right. Definitely exercise helps, but also nutrition and everything else, not just one thing. Because that's the worst. I mean, for women, particularly as they get older, you know, they start doing that rollover, you know, that sort of hunched Mm -hmm. shoulder rollover. But we can't forget about our genetic yeah. composition well, there either. Is that. <laughs> yeah. So the hormones, unfortunately, are it's just it's just terrible what happens to the, our bodies when hormones change. Everything gets upside down. So <laughs> if hormonally you're predisposed to get osteoporosis, you can do as much exercise and eat yeah. as much vitamin D and calcium as you want. You can't you're control. still going to have a progress. Osteoporosis, however, we can slow it down. I think that it's remarkable how you've taken all these experiences and synthesized them into your own version of Pilates practice and 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 basically a physical well-being practice for your clientele. You have how many studios? So at this now? point, so we have four right now, and uh, hopefully we'll have a location in London. That's a negotiation, and then in the next two to three years, I'm hoping for five, four to five more. Mm-hmm. I definitely want to bring this experience nationwide, even in Europe, because it's so needed. Like when I went back to Romania, my friend lives in Bucharest and we were talking about we should open a studio in Bucharest. My real passion is to really help because I'm one. I can't influence so many people. But if I could help instructors get a little bit better in building a little bit more passion to what they're doing and the delivery to help people understand what they want to accomplish a little bit better. That would be my final goal. Mm -hmm. And that's why I created the certification program to really be able to, to train my own trainers. I never say I know everything because I don't, you know, that's why I feel the need of keep going to school and keep learning. Mm -hmm. But throughout my life, which is not so long, many people say, you inspire me to go back to school. And I don't do it because I tell them you should go back to school. It's probably because they see me. I want to keep learning and keep, you know, deepening my knowledge in what I'm doing and my passion every day. It's really great. I mean, your curiosity throughout your life to keep moving forward and acquiring more information and then your ability to synthesize it is amazing. And I, you know, based on what, Rebecca, what you've said about your own experience with it, it obviously is of great service to the people who are trained by your trainers and by you. It's incredible. And that, I feel like that also comes from where I'm from, from the way my mom raised me with core values and 
awareness to myself, mm -hmm. but also I think a little bit is genetically within yourself. This I'm is so great. So amazing. Really Love great. talking to you. It was great. Yeah. Thank, Thank you. you so much yeah. for having me. Thank you for coming. Before we wrap this up, please tell our listeners where your locations are. So the location in Beverly Hills is on Little Santa Monica Boulevard, the Crest Peninsula Hotel. Uh, so it's 9869 Santa Monica Boulevard, Beverly Hills 90212. And it's called Natural Pilates. Natural Pilates. So that's our main location and my house because I'm there all hangout, the time. That's right. I, <laughs> I want to come see you. I, I'm now, now I very get, She's intrigued. got one right near your house. Oh, yeah? You we, know where Paponi's restaurant is? Yes, uh, in uh, Brentwood. Brentwood, so in okay. Brentwood Court on Sunset okay. and Barrington. Oh, yeah, yeah. And then we just opened four months ago a location in West Hollywood, which I'm so excited to be in because we're partner. We are there in the building with Dr. Jason Sneeby, which is one of the most amazing hip surgeons in town. Mm. Dr. Brian Perry and Dr. Kavar Sadiq. Sadiq Cover, their back surgeons mm -hmm. and others, uh, doctors in that building that I feel like it's such an amazing mix up with us having yeah, it's synergy. Pilates and they're doing all the orthopedic things. And the most amazing part is that they're always willing to come in and present to my instructors. Oh, wow. And eventually I really want to create workshops that incorporates the doctors That's a great and idea. the fitness uh, community in Los Angeles. So we create like anatomy workshops where eventually we can bring a cadaver and, you know, learn more or the doctors can tell us how they do the surgeries so we can learn better on how can we progress the clients from the moment they come out of the physical therapy to the point where yeah. they get stronger. And so it's like complementary fitness yes, in a way. Yes, not which medicine, is, it's, which it's is amazing. Fitness. And the location is incredible. We have yeah. the most amazing views. You and are so inspired. Yeah. You really are. I think it's coming from, I love it. I love what I do every day. I wake up at six. I'm like, oh my gosh, I'm so tired. By the time I'm out <laughs> of the car, from the car to my studio, every morning I feel like I should make a video and put it on Instagram and say, Hey everyone, I'm hoping you're having a great day. You know, just stay positive and, you know, I hope you enjoy every moment of your day. That's kind of how I feel every day. Mm -hmm. But then it's kind of, you know, I feel a little bit like every time you take a video of yourself, you post, it's just weird to me, you know? So I'm like, I never, almost never do it. Sometimes I start doing that a little bit more, but I have a lot of passion for what yeah, I do. Yeah, you do. Next week on Say It Forward, we will be welcoming Sherry Hirsch into our studio. Sherry is a rabbi, author, and spirituality expert. She currently serves as the senior rabbinic scholar for Hillel International. Her mission is to empower individuals to become more in tune with their well-being, way of life, and ability to impact the world. Hirsch has served as a spirituality expert for The Today Show and numerous other media outlets. She counsels private clients, speaks nationwide at engagements for corporate and religious organization, and teaches classes across a variety of themes. She is a wife, a mother, a rabbi, and a generally all-around interesting human being. So join us next week as we rewind to the beginning and say it forward with Sherry Hirsch. Thanks for listening to Say It Forward. Help us grow by subscribing to our podcast. Please subscribe on iTunes or at www.sayitforwardpodcast.com. Don't forget to rate and review us on the iTunes store or like and follow us on Facebook and Instagram. 